Good morning. You are to be commended for your interest in God, His Son, His Word, and the worship that we engage in here every Lord's Day. We are thankful for your presence with us. Please be finding in your Bible Matthew chapter 5. I'll be there with you in just a moment. Matthew chapter 5. I had asked a few weeks ago for your favorite passages and made the promise that I would preach on those passages on Sunday evenings. And so several Sunday evenings are now occupied. Tonight, Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2. Next Sunday night, Psalm 46.10. After that, 1 Corinthians 13.4-8. And then Acts 17 verse 6 and Job 1 20 through 21. That's the next several Sunday evenings we meet at 5 o'clock. This morning, I want to call to your attention one sentence spoken by the Lord and written in the New Testament. Now that one sentence is obviously part of a section of instruction in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And I'll briefly bring up that text, and then I'll take us to that sentence. When you open to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you're going to see in your Bible the Sermon on the Mount. And that gets a lot of attention, rightly so. Jesus delivered this sermon to crowds of people, including his disciples. And when you read this in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it may occur to you, this is a simple statement of what Jesus wanted to see in his followers. And what he wanted them to appreciate, to admire, to apply in their lives. Here's how it begins. This is Matthew chapter 5. I'm beginning at verse 2 and I'll read through verse 12. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When Jesus finished this sermon, the entire section 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew... The people in the audience who were listening to him had great clarity and insight about what it would mean to follow him. 
It would not be like it had been in the past for many of these people, nor for any of them really, who had been caught up in various religious practices common in their time, many of them driven by human interest. So there would be change for people to engage as described by the Lord in passages like this in Matthew 5. Now these are called the Beatitudes. That means they're promised blessings. And that's where the Lord begins. Statements of blessing attached to conditions or actions required or attitudes to be embraced. And today we're going to look at one of them in Matthew 5 and verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I have two brief preliminaries to get us started, and then we're going to concentrate on what it means to be pure in heart. And the purpose is for every one of us to see where we are and where we need to be with reference to what God offers in Jesus Christ. Two preliminaries. Number one, what is this heart? Well, when you see or hear the word heart, perhaps your first image is the physical organ in your chest that pumps blood. God designed that remarkable machine that men have not been able to duplicate effectively. Many of us see cardiologists and we take precautions. And we may use diet and medication and exercise to keep that instrument in tune. But in the Bible, in most passages where you find this word, it isn't a reference to the physical organ. It is a reference to the inner person. That part of me and you where thinking, planning, ambition, attitude are formed changed or maintained. Jesus and Bible writers spoke of either good things or bad things in your life coming from your mind. And that's the heart of Matthew 5, 8. Referred to in Proverbs chapter 4 in verse 23, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it Flow the springs of life. That's the heart in Matthew 5, 8. My other preliminary has to do with the specific promise in this beatitude. The pure in heart shall see God. That's not immediate physical vision. Where you look up and God is clear in your field of vision as a physical object would be. No. Seeing God is really knowing Him. Being acquainted with Him through your response to Him. Understanding Him. Being close to Him. Led to Him and led by Him. Living out His will. This is about seeing God in your life. 
Seeing God in your reading of His Word, seeing Him in Christ, seeing Him in your attitude and your activity day after day, and eventually seeing Him in heavenly existence. So the Lord said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The heart is mental content, what's inside, your will where desire is formed and plans are made and attitude is changed or maintained. Neither the heart nor the seeing in this verse is physical. Now, the only thing left is, what does it mean to be pure in heart? We're going to use the Bible to understand that this morning. And I'll use this question to explore the subject How do I know I am pure in heart? How do I know I am pure in heart? There are three inquiries to determine if I am pure in heart. If you are pure in heart. Number one, what do I admire? Be turning please to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read to us from Galatians 5. You can find that in your Bible, chapter 5, and then find verse 19 of Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. You're going to hear two lists, and these lists are very different. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, I have a very simple question based on this. And the answer will be obvious and it will be quick in your mind. Of the two lists, which do you admire? Our unanimous answer is the fruit of the Spirit is to be admired. The works of the flesh fiercely rejected. Now that's easy to see. Easy to answer. Our response is quick. But once we have that kind of clarity, we have to turn that internal and make it personal. And be certain that we not only admire the fruit of the Spirit, and we not only reject the works of the flesh, but that admiration for the fruit of the Spirit has depth and maturity and devotion that shows up in our lives 
every day. Let me bring this up. There is some attraction the devil has built into sin. Reference is made to this in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 25. In that phrase, the fleeting pleasures of sin. Fleeting means it doesn't last long. Any pleasure is temporary. But it's important for us to acknowledge Satan has built into temptation and sin some appeal. Some attraction. I need to be certain that any attraction doesn't become appealing to me. And become a magnet that pulls me into that sin. And one way I do that is to read and study passages like this over and over with a view toward admiring what the Spirit produces and steadfastly rejecting what the flesh produces. Because the more I love and admire what the Spirit produces... And the more I abhor and dislike the works of the flesh, the purer in heart I will be. One cannot embrace and maintain purity of heart when in that heart there is any admiration for the works of the flesh. If I'm attracted to sexual immorality, if I ascribe some value to strife, and rivalry, if I am envious of envy, if I would like to get drunk, I should defeat those desires in my heart, remembering this, Paul says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If I'm wondering, if I'm inquiring of myself, am I really pure in heart? Here is one test I can apply. What do I admire? If I renounce the works of the flesh, and I admire more and more every day, and desire more and more every day, the fruit of the Spirit, that shows where my heart is. And Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart. Please be opening to Philippians chapter 4. How do I know I'm pure in heart by considering what I think and how my thinking could be classified. How the content of my mind could be classified. If you read the Bible and you listen to preaching and teaching and you're a student in Bible classes, you've heard this verse I'm going to read many times. And you know what this is about in Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to say to you Philippians 4.8 connects to Matthew 5.8. Philippians 4.8 connects solidly to Matthew 5 and verse 8. Listen to what Paul said. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable... Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
I'm persuaded. I don't know if you've tried this before. I'm persuaded it's almost impossible to be thinking about nothing. To have a blank mind. We may make remarks about people being mindless or not thinking or in a crude manner of speaking having nothing up there. But in reality there is something up there. What's the nature of it? How could it be described or classified when the Bible is applied? The mind isn't blank. Even in hours of sleep, the mind is active. The question is, what's up there? How can it be classified? How do I classify the content of my mind? What are those things I think about? Thoughts, attitudes that make up the content of my mind. That will tell me if I'm pure in heart or not. And please be advised that we're not talking about quick answers or a pop quiz this morning. These are points of self-examination as indicated by the passage our brother read at the end of his reading. Requiring that each of us check our hearts not only in this moment, but on a regular basis knowing that only those who are pure in heart will see God. If I take everything that's going on in my head on a regular basis, how would those thoughts be classified? What terms would describe my mental content? Truth? Honor? Justice? Would it be purity? Love? What is commendable or praiseworthy? Morally excellent? Does that live in my head? In your head? What do I think about? If I took what's in my head on a regular basis, would those thoughts fit into these categories? In Philippians 4, 8, virtue, righteousness, purity. If this verse accurately and objectively reflects what's up here, I'm pure in heart. And Jesus said, blessed for the pure in heart. Here's another way. To know if I'm a recipient of this blessing stated in this beatitude. What do I say? I'm in Matthew chapter 12. And I'm going to begin the reading at verse 33 through 37. This is later in the book of Matthew after the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew 12. And the scene conveys to the reader a tone of debate. Because the unrighteous aggression of Jesus' enemies is reaching a peak of hostility. And at that time Jesus wants to be very clear in his charge of blasphemy against these unbelieving enemies who are after him. And here's the way he said that. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit, you brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? 
For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I tell you what, folks, if I can get my heart where it should be, I can get my mouth where it should be. Both in tone and in content. If I can get my heart where it should be, I can get my words where they ought to be, both in tone and content, because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If I lie, it came not from my mouth, but my heart. If I'm guilty of blasphemy, that originated in the heart. And please remember, we're not talking about the physical heart. But what's here? If I say something quickly, unfiltered, impulsive, that's hurtful. That lack of discipline came from inside of me. If the issue is gossip or slander or lewd speech or taking the Lord's name in vain, an outburst of anger, Jesus tells us the origin. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Am I pure in heart? Are you pure in heart? That inner purity will show up in our words, both in tone and content. So I'm prepared now to inquire of myself, am I pure in heart? If I'm not, where do I need to be? How do I get there? By using God's Word. Are you pure in heart? What do you admire? What do you think? What do you say? Jesus confers a, confers a blessing on those who are pure in heart. And he says, they shall see God. Now, God sees you. Do you see him? Not right now with physical vision. Do you see him when you read scripture? Do you see him when you worship? Do you learn about the life of Christ and see God there? Do you see God in your life? In your mind? Will you see him in the best possible way on the judgment day? Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Do you remember this phrase? Have your affections been nailed to the cross? And what about this phrase? Purer in heart, O God. O help me to be. Let's be standing as we sing.